Hey y'all, welcome to the Sweet Tea and Jesus podcast hosted by Kelsey Hamrick and Tara McAdam. We are two sisters who desire to grow in love for Jesus. You are not alone and we want to come alongside you with challenges, laughter, questions, prayers, and the eternal hope of the gospel. Whether you're on your way to work, changing your 10th dirty diaper today, or drinking a glass of sweet tea, we pray you are strengthened and filled with joy from these biblical truths today. Hey, y'all. Hope everyone had a good weekend. Okay, so we are going to talk about a guy you may not know about today. His name is Mephibosheth. Before we get started, I just want to say a prayer for all of our listeners. Father in heaven, as we dive into today's topic about grace and revenge, I pray that you open up our hearts and minds to seek your will and not our own, to look at the world as you do and not as we do. I pray we look at the world with your compassion and sacrificial love and that we act in a way that is unexpected to those around us because of the salvation we have in Jesus. Amen. Amen. There are so many people in the Bible that no one has a clue about. And today's episode is titled, Who is Mephibosheth? In the future, we are excited to hopefully do more episodes about people in the Bible that you may or may not know. This is one of my husband's favorite stories in the Bible. I remember the first time Jeremy was telling me about this. I was like, Mephiba who? (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yes. And I definitely didn't pronounce it correctly for sure. And I feel like everyone knows something about David, uh, but here are some things that most Christians know about David. So you think of David in the Bible, he has to do with our character Mephibosheth. So here's some things that most Christians do know about David. David was a shepherd. He was the youngest son of Jesse. He was not the tallest or most handsome. Those are God's words, not mine. (laughs) He was anointed by Samuel and God had chosen him to be king over his people years before he actually became king. Everyone knows about David and Goliath. David Mm -hmm. did eventually become king over Israel and was called a man after God's own heart. According to God's word, David was excellent in battle and a great leader for their military. Mm -hmm. Now, some things you may not know about King David. Although David knew God, he had chosen him to be king. He was faithful to King Saul wholeheartedly until it was his turn to reign. King Saul was tormented by an evil spirit once God's favor had left him as king and David played the harp and he sang for King Saul, his predecessor, before he, David, became king. He was loved by King Saul and then once Saul found out that the people and God wanted him, David, to be king over Saul, the love turned to hate. David Mm -hmm. was best friends with Saul's son, Jonathan. David also took a married woman, had intimacy with her, got her pregnant, and had her husband killed, and then lost the child that she was carrying. And a lot of David's life was spent either in battle or being on the run from King Saul. David was Mm -hmm. hunted and pursued by Saul for long periods of his life. All that to say, the person who we are discussing today is in the Bible and in the story of King David. If you've ever heard of Mephibosheth before, we hope after today's episode, you are just as touched by this story as we are and that you feel more confident about a person in the Bible that you may have never heard before. Mephibosheth. Literally (laughs) had never heard of him until I heard a sermon about him last year and we were at the Gospel Coalition and it was so impactful in my life. I think Julius Kim is the one who preached. Um, So there's definitely a lot of my notes from that sermon that are going to be used in today's episode. It, it's so funny because his name is so hard to say and spell Mephibosheth. But 
But once you hear his story, it is so hard to forget. So we're going to give you some quick backstory on Mephibosheth and David and just their relationship, how they know one another, and even the customs from that time so that you guys can truly understand the love that David shows Mephibosheth in this story. I think before we can really understand the depth of grace and love shown here in the story, we first have to take a deeper look at this relationship between Saul and David. In 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 13, we see Samuel anoint David as future king of God's people. Shortly after, King Saul called David into the king's service in 1 Samuel 16, 14 through 23. Based on what Bible scholars can piece together about Saul's age, how long he reigned as king, David's age when he was anointed until he became king, their overall interactions from start to finish are estimated to be about a decade. We know for certain that King David was 30 years old when he was crowned king from 1 Samuel 27, 7. These guys definitely had a history for sure. So we're going to learn about the very beginning of their relationship. This is between King Saul and David in 1 Samuel 16, 14 through 23. So to sum it up, Saul was the king of the Israelite people and the people chose him and God allowed them to have this king. And eventually Saul's heart turned from God. He did start walking out in God's ways and eventually he swayed from the path. God then chose a new man to be king, anointed him, and his name was David, and he was a shepherd boy. And when the spirit of God left Saul, he was tormented by a harmful spirit. And that's when David came into his service and would play music for him, which would cause the harmful spirit to depart from him. Because of that, Saul came to love David. Here, you know, David is portrayed as one of Saul's most loyal citizens. Saul was being tormented and David stepped in without hesitation. He left his home to be in service to King Saul. And you'll see consistency in their relationship from David wanting to step in and help his king, even when his king shifted his view and his feelings about him. That's right. Now, let's learn more about their relationship continuing in 1 Samuel 17, 31 through 38. Everyone knows this story of David and Goliath. There was no one in the Israelite army, including King Saul, who wanted to fight Goliath. You know, David is coming to the army camp to bring his brother's food and ends up hearing the taunting words of Goliath. He immediately wanted to accept the challenge of the giant, not because of his own strength, but because of God's strength. Saul did not want him to go, though. He didn't want David to get hurt. He even provided his own armor for David to use, though David didn't use it. Now, that's a big deal that Saul was hesitant to send David into battle with this giant Philistine. He also said, go and let the Lord be with you. So he still trusted in the Lord at that time. He cared about what happened to David. He even gave David his own armor, including his sword. I mean, this is like the king's armor. That is a huge deal. For sure. And it's so obvious how much Saul cared for David and wanted to protect him. He stayed consistent. When Saul's army was about to be humiliated, he rose to the challenge without hesitating because he was so devoted to his king. And also David was so eager to fight for King Saul and addressing himself as Saul's servant shows that even in his confidence in God and confidence in beating the giant, he was still humble before King Saul. At the end of chapter 17, we see that God helps David 
successfully defeat Goliath the Philistine giant. Now, before we continue talking about Saul and David's relationship, we're going to pause and talk about a relationship that formed between Saul's son, Jonathan, and David, because this is also important. Right after the giant is defeated, we learn about who Jonathan is and what relationship that he had with David. In chapter 18, verses 1 through 5, we see that Jonathan was Saul's firstborn son. That is very important information. Jonathan Mm -hmm. was Saul, the king. King Saul, he was his firstborn son. He was technically first in line to the throne. It was his birthright by blood. Jonathan had every right to be jealous and hate David, but he didn't. He loved David. It says that Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. Jonathan knew that what God ordains will happen and is best. He trusted God and in God's plan, and he trusted that God's plan was better than his own. So in verse four, it says, and Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And this was so impactful that he did this because he was laying down everything he had for David. And even though it meant his own father's wrath, Jonathan knew this was the right thing to do. He knew that David was appointed from God. He was willing to lay down his life for his brother even at the risk of alienating his father, Saul. And I love that the word hesed is used in this passage three times because it's not an ordinary word. The Jesus Storybook Bible defines hesed as never stopping, never giving up, never breakable, always and forever love. And that's the love that Jonathan had for David. Now let's return to Saul and David. And this is where it all went south. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. <laughs> so in 1 Samuel 18, 6 through 9, After this war was over, Saul did not like that the women from all the towns came out to meet King Saul, and yet they all sang songs to David. They were comparing Mm. David to Saul, and he became very angry. He became very jealous. So we have to be on guard when our anger turns into jealousy, which then it can turn into something greater. We have lots Mm. of emotions as humans, but we should never let those emotions turn to sin. That's so true, and we've talked about it before, even the Bible saying, be angry, but do not sin in Ephesians. We have to be careful of our emotions guiding our actions. We're not robots, you know, and God is a feeling God, but we can't let our emotions gauge our actions instead of letting God do that. The plot thickens. Saul searches for ways to kill David in 1 Samuel 18 verses 10 through 11. Saul's anger turned to jealousy, which then led him to try and commit murder. He tried to pin him to the wall with a spear. Then King Saul offers not only one of his daughters to be the wife of David, but two daughters. First, he offers Merab, but David realizes he is not worthy. He's got lowly status. He's a shepherd. He's poor. To be a husband of a princess to a king, so he refuses. So King Saul offers another daughter, Michal. David says the same response of unworthiness, but Saul said, just bring me a hundred foreskins of the enemy, and you will be the son-in-law to the king. Saul assumed David would die in battle. Well, David not only brought a hundred, he brought two hundred foreskins of the enemy to King Saul. Now, interesting fact, Michal was in love with David. This scared Saul even more because both his son Jonathan and his daughter Michal loved David dearly. And clearly, Saul was very, very jealous. (laughs) Very jealous. And in 1 Samuel 19, there are more attempts 
on Saul trying to kill David. Chapter 20, Jonathan comes in and warns David of an attempt on his life by his father. So 1 Samuel 20, 13 through 17 says, But should it please my father to do you harm, the Lord do so to Jonathan and more also if I do not disclose it to you and send you away that you may go in safety. May the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. If I am still alive, show the show me the steadfast love of the Lord that I may not die and do not cut off your steadfast love from my house forever. That's important. Remember that Mm -hmm. when the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth and Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David saying, may the Lord take vengeance on David's enemies. And Jonathan made David swear again by his love for him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. Jonathan was an amazing man of faith. He fully trusted God and he believed that God is a man of his word. You may be asking by now, Tara, um, this episode (laughs) is titled, Who is Mephibosheth? And we still haven't even heard his name. What is the deal? Did y'all title the episode wrong? Well, you're asking great questions. And just like any story, you need to fully understand the context to understand the truth about God and the truth about God's people. Yes. To fully know who Mephibosheth is and why he is so important, you have to first understand the relationship in detail between David with Saul and between David with Jonathan. I agree. Getting the backstory of David and Saul and Jonathan will all make sense and also make the story of Mephibosheth even more beautiful and impactful. Later in the story, we see how Jonathan successfully warned David of a possible attack from his father by shooting arrows in an open field. 1 Samuel 20, 42. Then Jonathan said to David, go in peace because we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord saying, the Lord shall be between me and you and between my offspring and your offspring forever. And he rose and departed and Jonathan went into the city. The verse here that talks about Jonathan's offspring, which are his children, is very important in in understanding who Mephibosheth is and why he is important in today's story. We see here what a good friend Jonathan was to David. More than a friend, he was like a brother and he wanted wanted to help him because he loved him. Yeah, and we learn in the last chapter in the book of First Samuel. So this is chapter 31 that Saul has three sons, Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malchishua, all died in battle against the Philistines. So in Second Samuel, shifting books, 4-4, we are finally introduced to who Mephibosheth is. If you continue in verses two through five, we find out that David calls on a servant by the name of Ziba and asks, is there still someone of the family of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? Ziba tells him about a son of Jonathan who cannot walk. And David immediately sent for him to be brought to him. Oh, Mephibosheth. I'm glad we're talking about him finally. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We learn that Mephibosheth is crippled in feet in verse three. In 2 Samuel 4, we learn about, you know, him being five years old, enjoying the life of a prince. News came to the palace that his grandfather, the king, and his father were killed in battle. His nurse had no time to waste, knowing they would come to kill the offspring of the king, because that was custom. 
Um, at that time, she grabs Mephibosheth to flee and in her haste fell and became lame. His life never the same again. So 15 to 20 years after his tragic accident, he was living in the home of a friend in Lodabar. Lodabar was located in the wilderness east of where the palace would be. The word Lodabar means no pasture, no land. Not the place you imagine for someone who was a prince living in a palace at one point in his life. If not for the kindness of a family friend taking him in, he would have been nothing but a quote-unquote dead dog. In the words of Mephibosheth himself, that's what he said about himself. He was in hiding, fearing for his life with no future and no hope. He was in a barren and unfruitful land waiting to die. Is it today? Is it tomorrow that David's soldiers will come to find me and kill me? Just imagine living in fear all of those years, just wondering when you will be killed. I think we can all say that we have had wilderness moments in our lives where we have wondered if God would intervene and either end our pain or rescue us from whatever we are in. I can't say for sure, but it couldn't have been a very joy-filled life. In verse 6, Mephibosheth, the son of Saul's son, Jonathan, came to David and fell on his face to the ground in respect. David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, here is your servant. David said to him, do not be afraid, for I will be sure to show kindness to you because of your father, Jonathan. I will return to you all the land of your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat at my table always. Again, Mephibosheth put his face to the ground and said, who am I? Why should you care for a dead dog like me? Something I want to point out in the story is just how Mephibosheth must have felt. His name literally means from the mouth of shame in Hebrew. He lived in isolation and fear for years in a place called Lodabar, no pasture. So he basically lived in the wild, fearing that he would be killed. He refers to himself as a dead dog. I mean, how sad, how sad that he described himself in that way. But David's heart in this story reveals the heart of our God. The time had finally arrived. David found Mephibosheth and he was thinking, it's my time to die. So let's read what David does. Verse nine, then the king called Saul's servant Ziba and said to him, I have given to your owner's grandson all that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants will grow food on the land for him. You will bring in the food so your owner's grandson may eat. But Mephibosheth, your owner's grandson, will always eat at my table. I love that David called him by his name and told him, do not fear, and restored to him all the things that would have belonged to his father. I can't imagine how good it must have felt to hear his name and to just feel really seen because he's felt like nothing for Mm -hmm. so many years. And when he told him, do not fear, I just can't imagine. I can't imagine what other people in the room were thinking because what he said was so unexpected. They were probably shocked. David chose not to kill him. He showed him grace. The enemy Saul had tempted him to revenge and David promised to give him the land of his grandfather, Saul. The one who had David on the run, fearing for his life for three years. But because of the love and protection and grace that David had received from God, he was able to extend that same love to Mephibosheth by giving him a seat at his table and restoring his land. He was ensuring that he would 
never be hungry or homeless again. He could have invited him to eat at his table for one meal, and that would have been so nice. I mean, this was the grandson of his enemy who he had every right to kill, but instead he extended the invitation always and forever. The king's table was reserved for family, and David's invitation basically adopted him back into the royal family. Sacrificial love transformed David. It transformed Mephibosheth, and it transformed me, and it can transform anyone who believes in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Continuing on with our story in verse 10, Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. And then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do all that my lord the king tells your servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at the king's table as one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a son whose name was Micah, and all who lived in Ziba's house were Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he always ate at the king's table. Both his feet had been hurt, and he could not walk. Yeah, so in verse 13, we're reminded he's still lame in both of his feet. That hasn't changed. His circumstances have not changed, but everything changed because he had finally found peace. David accepted as his son, and with just a nod, it's as if he was saying, I I see you. You are not alone anymore, for you are now my child. Welcome to my table, both now and forever. And this is the same invitation that Jesus has extended to us. He will wipe away our tears, remove our bitterness, and replace it with hope and joy and peace that only He can give if we will just accept it. I feel like we could totally just end the episode right there. (laughs) Um, Because Mm -hmm. that's the gospel message. And Kelsey, you could not have said it more clearly. I think not only did David invite Mephibosheth to eat at the king's table the rest of his life, he also provided for him an inheritance that would not have belonged to him, but to his father, you know, and he protected his life from death. We learn in 2 Samuel chapter 21 that when David is attempting to make things right for the sins that Saul had done during his reign, that he says, I will do whatever you ask to the Gibeonites. And they demanded Saul's sons and descendants. They didn't care about money. They didn't care about treasures like silver or gold. They wanted revenge on Saul's family. And they specifically Mm -hmm. requested seven men from his sons to be given to them to die. David did do what they asked, but in verse 7, this is in 2 Samuel chapter 21, it said, but the king kept Mephibosheth, the son of Saul's son, Jonathan, because David had made a promise to Saul's son, Jonathan, before the Lord. So out Mm -hmm. of all the sons and all the grandsons of Saul, David kept his promise to Jonathan and guarded his offspring, Mephibosheth. Here is the lineage order to the throne, King Saul, Jonathan, and then Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth should have been the king by birthright. Mm -hmm. And David was so honoring to that covenant that he made with Jonathan to take care of him when again, yeah, he was pursued all those years by Saul. Yeah. I mean, here it is. The grandson of the man who had him on the run and hiding in the wilderness, Mephibosheth, David was king now and he had every right to kill the remaining members of the previous royal family. So any of Saul's descendants, David had every right to kill. And truly during that time, it was custom for him to kill off his bloodline. So remember in 2 Samuel 9, one, David didn't say, 
say, is there anyone left for me to kill? He said, is there anyone left for me to be kind to? Like what? It would have been so natural for David to remember those difficult, bitter years. It would have been easy for him to be obsessed with one thing and one thing only, and that is eliminating all of Saul's descendant, just like Saul was obsessed with executing David. The act of killing these descendants as potential rivals to their throne was accepted in the culture of that time. It was a common thing to do. So David's decision to seek out one of his descendants to bless instead of to kill is not just unexpected at the time, but it was unheard of. But this is the nature of grace. It's unheard of and it's unexpected. Wow. I mean, that's all I can say is wow. After a decade of hatred, being hunted by Saul, after the loss of a best friend in battle, after all the years spent on the run and wars that David fought in, after all the escapes David made in his life that were because of Saul, he still showed kindness and mercy to an unlikely candidate, Saul's grandson, Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. Wow. I mean, he could have just let him be killed by the Gibeonites when they requested sons from Saul. He could have left him to be isolated and not known about. You know, Mephibosheth's Mm -hmm. story is a story of an unlikely candidate with unfortunate circumstances who is the least expected receiving the free gift of grace and love from the last person that Mephibosheth ever expected. He was invited to sit with the king forever and enjoy his love and grace and mercies forever. I mean, again, just what a beautiful picture of the gospel and the fact that Jesus does offer that same exact invitation to us. And the question is, is will we accept the offer that he so graciously gives us to sit at his table. Mm. We're going to quote two different quotes from Julius Kim when we heard him speak at the Gospel Coalition Conference last year on Mephibosheth. He said, Our hearts are so easily prone to seek revenge when wronged. This story is for all of us who need more encouragement, inspiration, and more help. We hear stories about heroes of the faith, David, Moses, Daniel, and others that seem to dominate our Sunday school lessons and even our view of the victorious Christian life. But This story introduces us to a normal person, a cripple far from his home, living and hiding, waiting to die. For anyone who has ever felt like him, helpless, hopeless, powerless, positionless, God has a message in this story. He wants us to remember the joy of the salvation of sacrificial love, especially in Jesus, and especially as he invites you to dine with him at the king's table as a royal daughter and a royal son. So child of God, lift up your head. You are are a child of the king feasting at the table now and forevermore. And here, so yeah. good, Julius Kim. That's so right. good. Right. And here's his next quote, and then we'll end the show. Long before Mephibosheth became disabled by his fall, we were crippled by the sin of our father, Adam, and as a result, we were utterly hopeless and helpless, powerless and positionless to do anything about it. Indeed, we have become enemies of God, children of wrath, trying desperately to survive in our Lodabar, unable to bear fruit or have any semblance of joy or peace. Like Mephibosheth, we are all far from home, living in hiding, just waiting for the day when we are to die. But thanks be to God, David's promise here to Mephibosheth comes to ultimate fulfillment in Christ, out of faithfulness. To his Hesed promise, God promises to us a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love in and through Jesus. You see that for those who repent and believe, for those who just rest, rest and rely on what Jesus has done for you on the cross for your sins. 
Jesus calls you by name. Life is received. Land is restored. And a table is reserved. You are given the promise of life and forgiveness and salvation. You are given the promises of a land, heaven itself, and you have eternal fellowship with God as you are invited to feast at the table of the King. Friends, because of God's covenant faithfulness, he recognizes his own son's sinless life and receives his own son's payment for our sins on the cross. Christ became disabled and disfigured on a Roman cross. He became crippled by our sin to the point of death so that we never have to. And that was from Julius Kim last summer at the Gospel Coalition Women's Conference. We hope today that you've learned the whole story of Mephibosheth. Now you'll know who he is and why God put his story in the Bible. And we pray that if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, or if you have any of the feelings like Mephibosheth, hopeless, helpless, and crippled in and around a situation, we pray that you can come to know God the Father as your Lord and Savior. Thank you guys for listening today. We'll see you next week. Hey, y'all. Thanks for joining us today on the Sweet Tea and Jesus podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to our podcast so you can continue along on this journey with us. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple so that others can find our podcast and be encouraged by these gospel conversations too. Also, follow us on Instagram for upcoming content, news about our podcast, and more. Thank you so much for listening, and we're looking forward to you joining us on our next episode. See y'all next time.